G'day, Dominic Barfield here, and this is the RVC Clinical Podcast. Thank you for listening, and thank you for subscribing on your smartphone or generic fruit-based device. We're really grateful for you taking the time to download and listen to this RVC podcast, and we don't ask much in return, but we're incredibly grateful if you'll pop to Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, wherever you actually listen to your podcast and leave us a review. Obviously, a five-star review would be great. If you have any other reviews, give them to other recent veterinary podcasts that have come out, you know, that might not be to this, uh, hopefully, the same standard. So we appreciate if you, honestly, you could take a couple minutes of your time to do that. So we're, we're grateful for the uh, uh, for the second year in the row joining by myself in the in the studio Dave Beeson um, who is a RVC graduate from 2017 17 there you go very, very good thank you Dave for, uh, for for coming back but but not so far to travel this time no no it's a little bit easier <laughs> a bit easier so um so how has the how has the year been it's been very busy um it's been a very good year career and professionally wise and personally as well um it's just been a lot of changes, but it's it's been a good year overall. Okay, so can you tell us sort of what um, what, what what changes you made? So la- last time you were working in the same practice that you had worked since uh, since graduation, yeah, uh, and you were uh, preparing all your meals uh, in week batches. Yeah, well the, remembered at, at the time. <laughs> I, I remember certain things like that. And um, uh, and so 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 what's changed? What do you what do you what what has happened uh, with your, with that job? Yeah, so um, I still prepare all my meals in week batches. So I think it's actually the third year in a row. So um, yeah, doing well with that. Um, so I guess I was at Leonard Brothers Vet Centre up in Cheshire um, as a little plug to them um, and then um, applied for the internship here at the RVC, which I was very lucky and fortunate to um, get accepted into. Uh, so I, I finished uh, my old job in April uh, just after to BSABA um, and then went and locum for a little bit just to earn a little bit of extra money um, prior to coming back down here um, and also just experiencing a couple of other different practices different teams um, had a couple of weeks off and then came here and I've been here since so you did so uh, we'll get to the internship in a bit but uh, so did you uh, think that you wanted to locum was that part of the plan or was that just because it helped with when um your previous employer wanted to uh, get someone else or or was that actually part of your uh, idea yeah i think um it was kind of something that i thought of after i got accepted um into the internship i I planned on um planned on actually finishing at my practice um like a month before the internship and just having some time off but then when i thought about sort of the ongoing plan for my career i thought it potentially be worth trying out some locomating for for a variety of reasons trying i'd only ever really been at the one practice um so i thought it'd be nice to go and see how other practices worked um and uh it just seemed like a really good opportunity and and things with sort of the the tax year worked out quite nicely uh with the internship being a stipend and um finishing just after the tax year just meant that i could sort of go self-employed and and earn some extra pennies that way but it, it was a really good experience um locoming i think i've got a lot of respect for people who do it long term i think it's often seen as sort of an easy option um to to go and earn some extra cash but actually there were a load of i guess non-clinical as well as clinical challenges with that um, that I wasn't necessarily expecting so I don't think I went about it in the right way it was all very sort of hashed out and um, a bit rushed so I ended up visiting I think 
eight practices in about six weeks which is a bit too too frequent a change and you never really get a chance to settle down within a team but at the same time that then made me um, a little bit more comfortable in terms of knowing that I could walk into a team and get stuck in I think in, in North America, they even call them relief vets, don't they, rather than like right, okay. I believe. But um, so, and, and what did you find was, was challenging? Because obviously, if you've been in a team um, such as a, a, like a practice for a good 18 months or almost two years to go into new environments, did you did you pick things up along the way about a, a way to enter a, a new practice? And, and also, are you glad that you did that then? And what because sometimes when I speak to uh, um, people who are about to graduate, they might talk about locating it initially. What do, what do you think about that as a as an idea? Yeah, so um, I mean, personally, I wouldn't recommend it. I think uh, the re the, I guess there are S- sorry, I did very rarely interrupt people. So you wouldn't recommend it as a to a new graduate? Yeah, sorry, as, as a new graduate, um, and I guess for a few reasons. So um, I think so if we look at the reasons why people want to try locoming it's very flexible um often because it is providing relief work it's at a higher rate than you you would normally expect and because of tax you you can end up taking home a much higher salary um and also it provides that flexibility in terms of when you're taking holidays and what days you're working and um often depending on how you set up your the how you structure your business per se um you can dictate what hours you're going to work um so there's i guess the risk um when you're in general practice or when you're in a um, sort of a long-term job that your hours can be very very variable but if you charge per hour then often practices are fairly keen to keep you to your set hours but um i guess the reasons why i wouldn't recommend it to a new graduate is just you need to be I think a locum is there for relief work. You're there because the practice needs you. And as a result, um, you should be able to kind of walk in and do or deal with pretty much anything that comes in the door. Obviously, knowing that there's support otherwise, but um, a lot of the the locuming I did was sold charge as well. Um, And I I think I definitely benefited from having a couple of years in practice first, just to make sure that I was comfortable not getting panicked when, um, like, I, I knew I had to operate on something or uh, certainly thinking back to when I graduated I wasn't 100% confident doing a bitch spay by myself but as a locum it's something that I was just expected to go in and do um, I remember having a, a couple of, of other things like splenectomies and um, gastrotomies, enterotomies that uh, actually I were it was quite a confidence building thing actually going into a new practice and saying yeah I, I, I'm comfortable with that because um, actually I didn't have as much experience of that in my first job and I had more surgical experience whilst I was locoming and it kind of I think because I got myself in the mindset that okay well I'm visiting this practice um, they're paying me they have these expectations I'm going to just do it um, but I, I think certainly being grounded in the day-to-day uh consulting and um just running of a practice that i had exposure to in my first job that definitely helped me being more confident going in as a locum so i think it yeah as a new graduate it sounds quite attractive because the salaries are higher and that's certainly something you think about after being a student for five plus years but i i could not fault 
the support that I had as a new graduate um, and I, I think that's so crucial it's such a, a difficult transition um, as we've spoken about before the going from a student to being a new graduate vet and it, I think those first couple of months to a year can make or break your entire career um, I've had more and more friends that have sort of decided that actually veterinary medicine isn't for them um, and it's because of that, those these first couple of years so I, I think unless you're you're unless you've had that time to to become comfortable with day-to-day -day practice i wouldn't recommend going locuming especially at the rates that people charge i think it's very variable um i'm fully open about this sort of thing i, I had friends that said that they would charge up to 400 pounds a day um as a general practitioner with no further qualifications um I charged 275 and still that was a massive increase in terms of of um, income for myself and uh, yeah and so maybe at this point maybe we should talk about your contemporaries because that's quite striking if you said a number of your uh, contemporaries yeah. so people graduated in 2017 have decided that they're they're out and after I suppose a considerable investment of their of their own sort of time and finances and education to, yeah. to, to say that and have there been anything you think that you can tease out or is it too um i suppose early or, or raw to, to work that out i think it's just expectations um i think one of the uh one of the issues with the current education system for vets is that we spend so much time in referral settings um and i mean that's one of the reasons why i come back i love being in that environment but it's just not realistic to what general practice is um, and I think you go from you learn about all these cool diseases and different ways of approaching them and all this problem solving stuff but then you're faced with vaccines and dentistry and obviously there's, there's problem solving within with all of that and actually I quite enjoyed dentistry when I was in practice but you're just kind of faced with all of these things that you were taught about but they're, they're not really the exciting things and um certainly i've got a lot of respect for people that are in general practice and my my seniors when i was in practice i catch up with them regularly and they're sort of 20 years into the job and still absolutely loving it um and i've got a lot of respect for that but i think the the expectations that new graduates are having of what general practice is going to be like is a little bit skewed and as a result uh I, I, you can get onto the whole millennial wanting instant gratification and things that um but I, I, I think we're just ex potentially expecting a little bit too much of general practice earlier on. Um, but I, I don't know that the the way around it. Um, but I think that's the main thing that's kind of come up with people that are wanting to leave or have left. And um, it, they've just been a bit surprised. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure that more well, more people are uh, far more eloquent than uh, that maybe either of us has spoken about millennials and expectations yeah. and things like that. But but your point about uh, expectations about what the job is has, has definitely been um, definitely been raised you know, by a number of, of people, whether here or other academic institutions. I suppose it's it's all about perception, isn't it? But the relative time that people spend in referral hospitals, potentially in the UK, is. Mm -hmm. It's probably not as much as uh, as other as other places in in the in the world because of the requirement at the moment for people to graduate with with EMS experience. So, so do you not think that that captures enough of what you go on to do? I I think it's it's not necessarily just it's multifaceted. Um, I'd say it's also clients are expecting more and more for less and less. Um, so you go out and 
you do come across these cases like the at the end of the day the cases that we see at referral level are generated somewhere um but it and i i think one of the good things about the practices that i was at was that when those cases came in i could still work them up to a good standard but they were just few and far between so you then see as just a concentrated proportion in referral um it's not necessarily that uh, i guess a lot of the referral cases you, we we see are, are things that have been or can be managed really well in general practice um but it's just the frequency with which those come so I, yeah I, I guess we it, it kind of felt like we had a lot of referral experience and there's there's just um i think at the moment the rcvs relies very heavily on ems um to fill in those gaps um but then you have people that uh, because things are getting more competitive in terms of internships and uh, and residencies you already have people that are thinking about that in final year so they rather than spending their ems at your average general practice they say right well i'm going to go to america and spend two weeks in this fancy hospital because it's going to look good on my application so actually the emphasis on ems doesn't necessarily work there well i suppose we're going down a, a bit of a rabbit hole but it, it, i suppose the ems is what uh, i suppose undergraduate students in the uk sort of do part of their um a requirement to actually to graduate spend time in in a variety of general practices and i believe it's 20 22 weeks of them um, i think 20 it was 26 for, 26 for me yes yeah. there you go see so, so you uh, um which which doesn't exist in necessarily in the same amount in other countries doesn't really exist in in north america as as well and probably uh, it's interesting what you say about internships and people you think might be thinking about that i wonder whether that's just because in the group that you're in because i still think like internships in the in the uk are, are not um, you know, there's not a lot of them necessarily, and not a lot of people necessarily go into them. Um, where it's more common in North America, however, the numbers are kind of declining a bit um, um, for for that as well. So not necessarily seen as a as a as a requirement. I suppose partly there's, I mean, there's a, a lot we could uh, discuss about this, but but partly as well when you graduate, there's no there's no sort of postgraduate qualification to sort of tide you over, and maybe that's what the the professional development phase is meant to be um, to shore up, but I suppose, you know, the, the, there's not an official way to do that. The same thing in medicine, there's a foundation doctors sort of postgraduate to before they go out into the into the real world, as it as it were. So, um, yeah, maybe it's a profession we need to look into that. I think that's a, a really good point, and um, I think that's so. I, I guess saying people are. are thinking about sort of leaving around this sort of two 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 and a half three year period is because they feel like there's not that structure um yes you can start your certificate um you can go for an internship residency but not everyone wants to do that um i guess here with the interns um most of us are very career focused it's a very niche group um but certainly in general practice there's not always that scope for progression um, I think it gets to the point where you're comfortable with your day-to-day -day stuff and then yeah you do ha certainly have the cases that come in where you're, you, you're speaking to friends or colleagues looking for, for advice or you have to read up about cases but I think the learning curve is very steep and then it kind of plateaus for a little bit until you have those cases that come so few and far between um, can I say in a separate sort of point, so when do you think that you came to the point that you were happy with, the, I suppose, the nuts and bolts of, of being a, a, a vet, whatever that inverted commas is? Um, it's a really different... I, th I think um, 
thinking about it it would probably be sort of around a year time a year's time um i think you spend that first six months as a complete whirlwind and it's such a paradigm shift in terms of how you think and certainly having come back um and dealt with students it's it's quite amazing how much your thinking process changes from being a student to being a graduate um because certainly I, I remember being in exactly the same position when I was a student, but you, the thought processes are just different. You don't necessarily consider some of those extra factors in terms of how much things cost or um, how clients are going to deal with what you've suggested. So um, there's definitely that shift there. And I think you that year in practice, um, that first year is acclimatizing to that and uh, realizing that yes there are lots of tests that we can do in an ideal situation or we can take a case down a certain route but actually we're just there to give all of the options and um when the client declines option a you have to have an option b and if they decline that you need an option c and d and so forth um so certainly that first year was about acclimatizing to that and then certainly th there were definitely things that i i didn't experience um for my first year and still haven't actually experienced so i mean there's so many different things that could go wrong with an animal that you're you're bound to you have people that have been in practice for 20 years and they're still seeing things for the first time it's just the nature of the job um but i i felt comfortable i would say after about a year that i could deal with the majority of things that came in um i guess that's a credit to to the rbc in terms of how we were taught um but it I think the between sort of a month, uh, sort of between a, a year and eighteen months, um, I felt that I ne wasn't necessarily in one of the the big learning curves. I kind of plateaued a little bit, and that's one of the reasons why I was looking elsewhere to to sort of start the internship side of things. And I'd started my certificate, and it was nice to be working towards something. Um, but I think that's one. I guess one of the other big issues is that vet school is all about, uh, well, not all about, but one of the main things is about sort of getting to that goal of graduating, and then um, you graduate, and then suddenly the goalposts move, or at least you want them to move. You want to have something to work towards, and that first year working towards something that goal is actually just being a well-rounded vet and it gets to the point when you're then comfortable and you're thinking okay well what what do i do now what what's my next goal that i need to work to and um i think we're all very goal orientated people and maybe we should spend more time enjoying the process of, of sort of learning about it um but i i really struggle with that i i love having something to work towards so um after about 18 months i just felt that i wasn't necessarily progressing at the rate that i was comfortable with i, I don't know whether that's just because in that first year you make so much progress that you expect that to be continual um but there's always going to be a, a point where that learning curve has to, to um, slope off a little bit. Well, it's a bit, do you think that the motivation comes um, from within as well? So, so go on, because because I, I suppose you know, definitely people continue to to grow, and you always learn. Like that, I suppose that's one thing about a profession. You know, you're 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 always learning in a constantly changing environment. So it's not as if you, um, you know, you you graduate with all the information and that's it it's a continual process but probably that as you said that steep learning curve initially yeah. but then do you think the motivation comes because you feel comfortable that maybe you, you know there's no external drive to motivate you to continue on that path 
Yeah, and I, I think it you end up having to just take satisfaction from from different things and um, having different goals to work on. Um, I, I guess most of the people that are going through uh, through vet school and entering the profession, we just like having something to work towards. Um, and I found myself um, in practice working towards different things. So I, I was really bad at my ultrasound scanning. So I went on a couple of courses and then made that my challenge. And then I really struggled with dentistry so you then work on that and then um i mentioned dentistry too much already on this um but um yeah i i think you certainly need to motivate yourself um but it's quite difficult when you spent five years working towards something and then suddenly that is what has been motivating you then disappears and you need to come up with something else and so what made you think about an internship I think when I when I was a student I just I I really I just fell in love with the the hospital and I know that's very very cliche but I I just the environment of just constant learning or at least supported constant learning is just something that I I really enjoyed as a student um and yes that like you can idolize certain certain characteristics of an internship it, it's it's difficult but you idolize being back at a university um for me the reason why i wanted to do it was to sort of i knew that that would be a stepping stone in my career and regardless of what i whether i went on to or whether i do go on to a residency or, or, or something else um i don't think there's any situation in in which an internship is going to be bad or detrimental for you um obviously we then have to think about the definition of an internship and some of the programs that are, are out there um in terms of um what we do classify as an internship whether that's something with structured training or or whether you are sort of dog's body that's underpaid um unfortunately that is something that does i don't know whether i'm allowed to talk about that but that is something that comes up quite frequently is that we've got these internship programs that aren't necessarily academic institutes or or well-established private um hospitals and you can end up dealing with uh well sort of working longer hours than everyone else and um it's kind of the accepted norm um it's very much like residency programs as well in that um you have certain programs that aren't necessarily as structured um but for for me it was it was really just about trying to get uh, a more well-rounded um I guess more well-rounded outlook in terms of what I was capable of, capable of doing, and um, certainly trying to just consolidate what I'd done in the last two years of, of practice. And there's definitely been things since coming back that I've not necessarily been doing wrong, but there there are, there are lots of things I've I, I've I could improve on that I, I then realised having come back. So probably full disclosure for the discerning listener that uh, I, although I had been involved in the internship programme that you obviously for a number of years, um, I was nowhere involved in, in anything to do with you uh, joining the internship programme because <laughs> both Zoe and myself have uh, have left that guiding guiding role. So, uh, so you know, just in case people think that this is going to go <clears throat> on and continue. Um, so uh, with, with regards to actually uh, so starting as, a, as an intern, do you think that there's – was that a transition? Or oh, do you God, think yeah. that – <laughs> yeah please go on yeah um so uh i started um on weekday nights uh so i started on 8 p.m till 8 a.m and i did that for four weeks um and it was incredibly intimidating 
um even and i i mean i've I've written about this as well but the i organized a meal um for 17 of us so including the equine interns and uh, the surgical fellows and that was sort of on the first day that everyone was able to move into our houses and i i have to say i i, I don't think i've been as intimidated before and i think just and that's not uh, anyone's fault but you just uh, join a group of people that are so dedicated and so excited and everyone has had different levels of experience and everyone's seemed very very confident and I would like to think I'm a confident person but um, I, I was very intimidated by my, my peers and now I, I get on with all of the interns really well um, and I almost feel silly for, for saying that it was an intimidating process but it just kind of felt that um, almost uh, well as the most junior age-wise intern um, I felt like I had a lot to live up to or, or work up to, to to get to the standards of my, my fellow colleagues. Um, and then um, I can vividly remember the first shift going back into the QMHA um, and feeling like the last two years had meant nothing <laughs> um, and that I'd completely forgotten how to be a vet. And I remember um, we uh, very nicely have a shadowing week uh, so I went in for for my shift with uh, one of the old interns who's now a resident um, in neurology um, at the QMH. And I remember asking him about a case that I saw in. Uh, it was a young male cat with strangeria that was not blocked. Um, and I, th I think working in a first opinion service in a referral hospital you feel that everything has to be done to a certain standard and what I would have done in general practice would probably assess that the cat was not blocked it was otherwise well given it some meloxicam and sent it home but um, I felt that because I was back at the RBC and at this institute I had to consider other things like did I need to get a cystocentesis and look at it under the microscope do I need to send it for culture do I need to do all of the do I need to do imaging and it was ridiculous um, I, <laughs> I think it was such a transition realizing that um, I, I put so much pressure on myself in the first couple of weeks of the internship because I felt like I had to work to this standard. Um, and it, yeah, it is a transition. Um, I think especially coming back to somewhere where you're a student, you I felt like I had a lot to prove in that I was no longer a student and that I, I'd got some experience under my belt. Um, but that for those first few weeks were, were difficult, just trying to figure out my place within the hospital and um, realizing that actually, the first opinion stuff is is still first opinion and we don't need to be going crazy on, on what we're doing there and was that the main thing dave the, about that sort of what what's your expectations about what's yeah what's and I, I think that's exactly it. it it came down to my personal expectation no one ever told me that oh well you need to go and do all of this with each of the cases it's just the pressure that we put on ourselves internally and i, um, I hope matt uh, my father um, intern wouldn't mind me saying but we both felt exactly the same in in those first few weeks that um I, I think as well getting used to a new computer system and all of the extra intern jobs that you have to do in terms of dealing with pharmacy and all the just things that it doesn't not necessarily clinical challenges but um the these other challenges just in terms of fitting into the team and um feeling like actually you do need to work to a certain professional standard as well and then also being in, involved in teaching and organizing the students as well and when you think that actually i, I was in their position about two years ago it was quite surreal being on the other side of things but that that's something that settled fairly quickly i, I think within 
within the first month, I felt a lot more comfortable in terms of what my role specifically was. Has there, has there been anything particular? Because you're you're almost about halfway through, aren't you? Um, so, uh, so has there been anything particular that you've enjoyed or thought was very good that you didn't think about prior to joining? Yeah, um, I think I was very excited about the prospect of being able to, to delve more into teaching as it's something that I've been doing in practice and I try to organise additional um, additional uh, teaching, structured teaching for, for my practice when I was there. Um, so that has been one of the highlights. I, I think uh, it's made me realise that I have a lot to learn as an educator, but I'm, I'm still trying to push myself with that. Um, but actually... The students really that because you you've picked up these extra things from being in practice and being in the real world in terms of, of the, the finances and um, dealing with clients and all the other communication and paraclinical things um, that although yes there isn't that much of a, an age gap or an experience gap between um, myself and the students in terms of number of years uh, in terms of gross amount of experience that there, there is a big difference because I think that as I was saying earlier that learning curve in the first year is so steep and you do come on so much as practitioners and um, so that's been something I, I really enjoyed it is getting back involved with the teaching um, and then actually something that I, I mean I wasn't wasn't necessarily aware of other than from when I'd visited but sort of weekly service meetings in terms of journal clubs and board reviews and looking at different um, uh, looking at how the residents work has been quite eye-opening and something that I, I've, I've really enjoyed getting involved with and um, actually um, I I guess I, I like to think that I was quite um, quite a, a I don't necessarily know the right word but when I was in, in practice I, I did a I did read around things but not anywhere near as intently um, or intensely um, than I have here just because I found that when I was in practice I could go and, and read about something and brainstorm something on a whiteboard but uh, if you don't see those cases then it kind of feels like you're it's not for nothing but it kind of feels less applicable versus actually having um, things to, to read and, and work on each week um, and I, I've been more interested in self-directed study since coming back which I, I didn't think was I thought I was going to be so busy that I wouldn't have time to do anything else in terms of studying or or otherwise as an intern but um, it, it's been really eye-opening in terms of how much I could fit into my day. And do you think just going back to something you said about um, being involved in teaching the students do you think that you have a perspective that's able to tell them that they you, know, you will get those clinical skills and that will be a learning thing but hang on a minute, you need to think about actually the communication and the cost. And do they? Do you think that the majority actually listen to you about that? Because I suppose there's one thing about having all those things, a number of those things might be in the curriculum, but not to the same extent of the day-to-day, -day, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I think um, the interns, I think we work so closely with the students that um, we're not necessarily, and I know something that's been you mentioned before, but uh, we're not necessarily as scary. Um, I think there, because, um, I have to be careful what I say, but because there is an age gap in terms of experience and, and actual age as well, I think um, sometimes students can be a little bit scared about the, the seniors and um, even the residents to an extent. So uh, the interns, I think because we are, I guess, um, similar ages and um, have most recently been students, um, that when students sometimes feel like they can come and talk to us uh, about other th about 
things um more so than than the residents and it is very much um I guess you you get out uh, what you you put in. So um, I think because it is an area of interest, I've really kind of pushed to get involved with teaching. Uh, I think you could certainly get away with doing less, but um, I, I think the students do appreciate it. Um, and I think um, again because even the I guess the first opinion stuff that they see through us uh, through emergency is still at the QMH where we, although we're not necessarily working to a referral standard, and I've realised that you can still treat things as first opinion we still have the benefit of a lot of equipment that you don't have in first opinion um so there have been times where i've said to students okay well we're going to do this here but if you don't have this in practice this is what you can do or if if the owner does decline well it's not ideal um but you can still get along and, and make some improvement on that patient's welfare that's fascinating and Additionally, so I suppose I should always you have a yin and yang. So is there you said about what what you thought was good that you didn't expect, but is there anything sort of negative about your experience that um, that you didn't expect? Likewise, as I have said previously when we talked, I'm I guess I'm very institutionalised and I'm RBC through and through. Um, but the I guess one of the things that um, I didn't necessarily expect was. Um, it can be quite isolating um so we i guess with the internship we work a lot of weekends and we like a, work a lot of out of hours and i i started um on those out of hours shifts and sort of did eight weeks worth of, of nights and twilight so that i found quite isolating at the start which i didn't necessarily think just because even when you you do have the weekend free other people um are, are sort of working and uh, so it, socially it's been a little bit more isolating than i thought it would be but um otherwise i guess clinically clinical challenges wise um i guess there are a lot of little intern jobs that i wasn't necessarily uh, thinking I, I would be involved with so things like dealing with pharmacy and um doing doing that at the weekend which i didn't necessarily expect i mean it, it's it's just a role that we accept that we have to do um but it's it, i guess it's not something that i was expecting but uh, to be honest i i have thoroughly enjoyed the internship so far I, i'm kind of gutted that i'm halfway through and that that, that potentially is coming to an end um but no, uh, there's not really been anything marked other than that. Just the the hours are long, but it's an internship, and I kind of expected that. And uh, and so, has that interfered with your ability to uh, to to cook in week uh, blocks? No, it, it's made me. Uh, I, I guess there have been certainly times where um, where that has slipped, and certainly having been visiting for the last two weeks uh, different establishments, I have eaten far too much uh, Subway and and Tesco meal deals. Um, but uh, I I think it's made me uh, more proactive in terms of making sure that I I do have stuff to to eat, and um, I've had to really make sure that i do still prioritize things like going to the gym and um, and playing my guitar and uh, otherwise you, I, I think it's so easy to get wrapped up in, in everything and there have certainly been times throughout the internship where you finish it sort of six seven o'clock and then i've gone to the library until nine or ten very rare occasions um but it's very easy to get wrapped up in all of that so it, it's made me um, appreciate the time that i have off more and, and are you doing anything else? We spoke a bit before the, um, when the mics were closed about um, playing the guitar and, and doing a couple of gigs. Are you, are you finding time to, to do 
other things yeah absolutely i i think the the time is there you just have to to make an effort for it and it's the same with the social side of things and um i i mean i'm really looking forward to, to heading back home this weekend um to, to go and see some friends there but you you just have to prioritize your time and um in terms of pressures and things uh i, I was chatting to, to a couple of friends last last weekend and actually i feel a lot less stressed in this environment than I did in general practice just because there are different demands it's a completely different job um, yes the first opinion things that we're doing our, our shifts can be pretty hectic but the rest of the time you don't necessarily have those demands that are being placed on you with angry clients and um, I guess we're very beneficial uh, certainly at the referrals uh, side of things that we deal with here um, the clients are here and that that already means that you're you're dealing with less financial um issues as well um and it, it's just I, i'm a lot less stressed now than i was in terms of finding the time for, for things we work our shifts but most of us are, are, are making a consolidated effort to uh, to to socialize and you just have to to make the most of the time that you've got off um, but yeah, so uh, a few things sort of in the pipeline and um, potentially going to be on stage at BSABA, which will be quite quite fun. Um, I mean, they, they've said potentially. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, just for anyone that can't, oh, I guess, obviously see that Dom, Dom's impression of playing guitar just then was fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully um, on one of the warm up acts uh, this year, I'm just waiting for them to get back to me. But Fingers crossed. And are you still uh, writing for the Vet Times? Are you still doing a column for them? Yeah, I've managed to keep up with that. And actually, it's been really nice that that's becoming more and more established. And I, I also did a podcast for them um, a couple of, maybe a month or two ago, um, just talking about, um, I guess, uh, not as extensive as this, but the the internship and, and how things have been. But it's been really nice that the, the column, I didn't realise as many people read it as they do. Uh, it's something that I, I've done now for the last uh, like 24 26 months um and like it, it's great it's very cathartic for me but actually when i've been and visited places it's been quite surreal in terms of people uh, on a number of occasions have said so are, are you the intern at rbc that's writing for vet times oh i actually quite enjoy that and then I've, I've had more people actually email in so I, I sign off all of them yeah with with my email and actually it's been really nice um and certainly I, I had a lot of good feedback after a recent one where um i praised our icu nurses um just for how much they were helping me in, in the first couple of months of the internship um and it's been really nice to to see that people are actually reading them so and so uh, um, for the for the future, Dave. So, so if we uh, if we manage to get together for uh, it would be the the fourth year, wouldn't it? If uh, if we do, mm. do it again, um, what, what's what's Dave going to be doing then? Well, hopefully, I'll be doing a residency. But um, it's one of those things. All of. Uh, that that's my long-term plan um so i, I uh, i've decided that uh, rightly or wrongly I, I want to to go into the field of emergency and critical care big um, mistake <laughs> it's uh, it's something that i've kind of been drawn to this year i, I think um i started the internship not sure of where i was going to go i I'd increasingly become interested in the emergency side of things when i was in practice but i always had a, a solid sort of love for medicine as well and I, I think the the internship because we deal so much with the emergency room and icu uh, i've kind of been pushed towards that direction um so that's the plan is that i'll, I'll apply and obviously uh, i've got backup options in terms of other various internships or whether I'd go back out into practice but um, 
that's the plan uh, so hopefully that's something that we'll, we'll be able to talk about next year but um, I think it's one of those things where I started this internship with knowing that that's a route that I would like to go down eventually but um, there is a lot to be gained from the internship without having that as a goal and I know I said that uh, inherently we like to be very goal orientated but um, I, I think if I have to take a less direct route that's not going to be um, less beneficial I, I, I think this is something that I, I want to do uh, long term so what I mean long term for by the time I'm allowed to retire I'm probably gonna be about 70 years old um, so what's this what's a year in the grand or a year or two in the grand space of things so. but saying that to you know, if you if you um, been out for a couple of years in practice doing internships so there's a year or two or even or even no years to do a residency you said you're quite goal orientated so what, what happens at the end of that PhD <laughs> I, I, no, so um, I, I guess um, we. I, I love being goal orientated, but there has to be a, a point where I stop being a student, um, and I guess that's when you you start to find areas. I'm, I'm very thankful that we're not as specialised as our, our human medicine counterparts, but um, I, I think it gets to a point where you have certainly have goals that you can work towards. But then um, I guess by that time point in life, there are other things that sort of start creeping in as well. So uh, priorities often change. Um, but at the moment, um, I think I just need to get through the internship. <laughs> That's very good, and um, so is, is is really the the music and going to the gym part of what you do to to look after yourself, David? Are there other things that you've you've modified along the along the way? Yeah, so um, I guess again being. Uh, very goal orientated that there's I have had to change up my my training at the gym and realizing that yes if I'm working 60 70 hours in a week what for whatever reason that week I may not be able to go as much but again that um, has been a big shift um, to in in, I guess my mindset from being sort of in certainly in that aspect of my life being uh, more focused on the process or process uh, than the end goal and uh, recently been trying out some Olympic weight lifting which has been good fun um it's something slightly different uh, not something I, i've tried before and it, it's, it's really nice to sort of start something from scratch again um it's certainly not something i'm very gifted at but it, it's nice to try and focus on something else so maybe like the olympics in 12 years time is yeah that the, yeah maybe for? yeah um maybe i should give up on this whole vet thing um actually go be a writer write a book and do some music <laughs> Well, the world is your your oyster, um, for 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 sure. So, you, uh, how often do you do you write for the for the Vet Times? When when are people going to see your next column? Yeah, so it's it's every month. Um, so uh, I've just had the dates released um, for uh, deadlines for the, for the next year, and it, it's seeing through to twenty twenty one. So I've got um, I've just got a rolling uh, monthly contract, uh, which seems to be going down well. Um, one of I guess one of my my long term goals is an aside of something. Uh, maybe that's something that I'll work on after residency is that I would like to sort of pursue writing a, a book um, just about journeys through vet school and um, some of those challenges I guess um, James Herriot of the of, of this century um, try and record those sort of, of challenges so that, that's certainly something that I would love to do eventually uh, but again it's just finding the time 
Well, thank you very much for your time today, David. And uh, it's been great to uh, to catch up. So, uh, so maybe we'll wrap it up there. So, yeah, thank you very much again oh, for your thanks time. Thanks for having me. Um, and thank you for listening. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your generic fruit-based device. And that way you don't even have to worry about missing a podcast. If you could leave a five-star review for us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, wherever you get your, your uh, podcast, that would be great. And don't forget to tell your friends, vet friends, um, or any other friends. We're, we're not discerning. Um, so we'll place any show notes on the RBC, RBC pages. So just type in obviously clinical podcast in your search engine of choice and it should be top of the tree so if you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast please get in touch you can either email dbarfield.rvc.ac.uk or tweet at don barfield until next time bye bye